and welcome to Her House, Her Home, episode number one. I'm your host, Amy Wicker. First, let me tell you a little bit about this podcast. At one point or another, we may all be living alone, whether it's by choice, separation or divorce, or the passing of a loved one. So I wanted to create a show that would educate and inspire women to meet life head on and embrace home ownership. A little bit about me, my background is in broadcast journalism. I worked for many years in both radio and television. I am now a real estate investor, so I figured what better way to merge my two areas of interest. My hope is that at the end of this podcast, you will leave feeling inspired and a bit smarter. Today, we're going to look at the number of women who are becoming homeowners and how they even go about getting that first mortgage. According to the National Association of Realtors, single women made up 22% of home buyers in 2020. That's more than the number of single men buying homes these days. Joining me today is Candy Rima. She's a single homeowner, real estate investor, and for more than 15 years worked in mortgage lending. Welcome, Candy. Thank you. So you have been a homeowner for a number of years. We don't have to say how many, <laughs> um, but a number of years you've owned your own home. Um, walk me through that process that you went through getting to that point where you're like, I want to own my own home. Yeah, I I think I might be a little bit unique in the fact that I I looked at my first home just wanting to buy it more than anything when I was 18. Um, I didn't know anything about mortgages. I didn't know anything about anything. I just knew that I, for whatever reason, I just had an affinity for real estate. And I, I saw these houses. I grew up, my dad was, was handy and remodeled our house. And I was right next to him with my little baby hammer, right? So I always really enjoyed um, kind of that process. But I just was scared off because I just didn't know anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was... I was afraid of making a mistake and having it be not recoverable. So did you really decide in your mind, like, I'm going to buy a house or did the house just kind of find you and you're like, oh, I love it. Oh, no, I was always driving around looking at houses, looking at for sale signs, um, you know, just kind of kicking the tires. Now, would you take your dad along with you? No, nope, it was something just me. You guys- it was just you. You yep. you like knew at a young age you really wanted to have. That I just first was house. interested in it. I didn't know what to do with it. Um, and my my family was very um, not um, not affluent at all, shall we say? And so uh, very risk averse. Um, my parents did own their own home, but um, they've lived in the same home for at this point sixty three years. Um, so it's just, um, it, it was something I always wanted, but it always kind of felt out of reach. So when you decided at 18 that you wanted to buy a house, what was the, you know, what did your parents say? How did you, how did you do it? Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was looking at it, um, they, you know, my mom was very much, oh, I don't know, Candy. I think that, you know, that just seems like a lot to take on. And I don't know how you would do that. And um, yeah, and that, that, you know, that voice in my head was pretty loud and, and strong. And it just kind of reinforced that, um, that fear in me that I was like, okay, I, I just can't do this. I'm just someday. I just can't do this right now. Yeah. So how did you get through the fear? How did you get over the fear? And did you meet someone? Did you have a mentor? What did you do? 
I didn't have a mentor, but I, um, my, one of my first jobs, um, when I moved away from home, um, was, I was a secretary in a bank, um, and, um, made a couple of moves and ended up as a administrative assistant in a department of, um, salespeople selling, um, home equity loans and lines of credit for the bank. And that was really my first experience with financing on a home. And, uh, we went through, a um, a bank merger, a bunch of us were getting laid off and my boss was one of the ones getting laid off and he decided he was going to go out. This was in 93 in the height of, um, like one of the first big refi mania, you know, and he decided he was going to start a mortgage company. And so um, he liked my work and he wanted me to come with him. So I I came as his senior loan processor, never having processed a loan. And I and I just taught myself how to how to process mortgage loans. Um, and I did that for a number of years um, before I ended up going into sales and managing an office and then being an independent loan originator, um, self-employed. And so I just, I kind of have seen the mortgage industry from a lot of different angles. So you really armed yourself with the knowledge and information you were, you were out seeking that so you could get comfortable. And I kind of just, and I, I fell into it, but it was because it was 10, it was related to, you know, something that I was already so interested in. I loved the fact that I got to see all the appraisals come across my desk and all of that. And so by the time I, I was 25, um, I, I was more ready in that I understood the mortgage process. I understood that it was possible. It was, there was no magic to it. It was just a very simple process that had been completely demystified to me because I, because it's what I did every day. Right. And, and just not that many people have that opportunity of, you know, I have family members in their, in their fifties that it's still a very mysterious process to them. Um, And it doesn't have to be, it's not, it's not complex. It's um, there are idiosyncrasies like with any industry, right. But it's, but it's actually a very straightforward process. And once I realized that it was okay. So now how am I going to make the leap? You know, and I happened to my, my boss worked with a real estate investor who was flipping this house and I walked through it with him and I walked out thinking, Oh, I've got to have this house. (laughs) That's awesome. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit, um, you know, what were the numbers like when you, when you went out and bought the house and how did you, yeah. did, had you saved for the down payment? What were the steps that you took? I, I had saved, um, I had saved some for the down payment, but honestly, I was still a bit short on the down payment and on the, um, and on the income in order to qualify. And I knew that. Um, and so, um, I talked to my best friend and I said, Hey, you know, um, she's basically my same age, you know, year different. And, um, I said, I just walked through this beautiful house, you know, it's, you know, in this particular neighborhood, which is a really quaint little walkable neighborhood. And I just 
thought, uh, and I, and I, I told her about it and she's like, Oh, well, that sounds really interesting. Do you think that we could, I said, I think if we went at it together, I think we could get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's like, okay, well let's, you know, let's try, you know? Right. And, um, and so we, you know, I, I ran the numbers and put things together and I said, we can do this. And she, she was like, okay, I'm in, let's do it. That's exciting. So you really took, you looked at the house and you, you ran the numbers and then just so you had a little extra comfort, you took on, you know, essentially a business partner to own the yep. house, essentially yep. roommate slash yep. co-owner. Yep. What a great, what a great idea. So how long did the two of you own this house together? Uh, we owned it for a number of years together. Um, and, um, you know, the real estate went up significantly in during the time that we you know, during the time that we owned it. Um, and, um, and so we, we hit a point where it was like, okay, let's, let's take the money and run. Yeah. So then when you sold that house, you just took the money and you went and bought something else, I assume, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. What a great yeah. thing at such a young age. Yeah. To learn it at such a young age and you come yeah. out more confident, right. Mm-hmm. And on to the next one. Yep. So yeah, so we're going to we're going to talk here in a minute about what women should be thinking about um when they go out to get that mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um but I really think you had mentioned something to me earlier which I think is so important. We talked about in one of our earlier conversations, you know, about and I've had family members do this the boy, you know, oftentimes in college, right? Mm-hmm. Um or shortly after college. Yep. You know, my nephews went out and bought a house and then they had roommates and they didn't have to pay a dime in rent. Yep. And you you were talking about how you made the decision early on. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I'm going to let you pick up there because I don't want to tell your story. Yeah, no, I, um, you know, I, you know, I was young and single, um, but I wasn't 18 anymore. You know, I was in my in my mid 20s and um and I had friends that thought I was crazy for being interested in buying a house on, you know, um, thinking, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think I want to buy a house until I get married and then we settle down and, and whatever. And, um, and my, my thought process was more like, I don't know when that's going to happen. And I'm just, I'm just not going to wait on living my life until that happens. Um, and, um, and so I just, I just decided I'm just going to, I'm just going to make the best decisions that I can make, um, for my own, you know, financial future. And then, um, when, if whatever, you know, um, the, uh, man of my dreams comes along, I, I'll just bring more to the table. You know, I'll, I'll bring more than debt to the table, you know? Um, Right. And um, yeah, so I, I just decided, yeah, I'm just not, I'm just not going to wait around. I, I'm going to, I'm going to take action. I'm going to make my own decisions. Yeah. And And I'm going to do that until such time I need to take somebody else's opinion into account. Yeah, for sure. What are the steps you recommend taking? Yeah. I think, I think addressing, (laughs) thinking about what your own personality is, right? 
thinking thinking about what makes sense to you. For some people, that's a small condo. That's just a starter condo. That's right. that's their comfort level, right? And they yep. are um, that feels good. It's kind of their own little nest, and and that's a, a manageable you know investment. Um, for other people, um, it could very easily, and I strongly encourage this, that scenario that you were talking about um, of either getting together with a friend and renting it out to other friends if you're college age. Um, if you're, even if you're in your 20s, um, you know, right, and you're a young professional, what a great time to have give someone else the opportunity to have a nice home um, that's less expensive, that meets their needs financially, but at the same time offsets your um, expenses and makes it much more manageable for you. And you can do that in a home, a three, three bedroom home. Right. Or you can decide to do that in a, in a duplex or in a, you know, two to four unit where, Instead of you still have your own space, but you still have somebody else helping to to make the um, to make your mortgage payment and and really probably putting you in a situation where you're almost living mortgage free. Um, some people they they're very averse to the idea of you know of being that landlord, um, but you can also hire a, a property manager where your neighbors don't even have to know that you own the house, right? Right. Right. Um, and I just don't think we think through that process um, logically to understand how how simple it would be to do that. Um, and there are certain loan programs like FHA um, where they actually let you take advantage of some a percentage of those rents in your qualifying, which oftentimes makes it so that you can qualify for one of those um, properties that on, on its face, you would look at the price of the property and go, Oh, that's totally out of my, out of my realm. Right. Right. But it may not be. And it's really just as simple as, you know, talking with a professional saying, this is what I'm interested in. This is kind of as a real estate investor, right. We talk about it as a buy box, right. This, this is what I'm interested in. I'm either interested in a condo, I'm interested in a small house, um, or I'm interested in a multi-unit. I'm looking to have somebody else help me make my mortgage payment. And then when I want to move on, I can keep that property and have it pay for itself while I go do something else that is more just my own space. Um, There are just a lot of different options that I think people just don't think about. Are there specific loan products or things that you would like to talk about that people should be aware of? If you have a minimal down payment um, or you might possibly even be getting a gift from somebody um, as part of your down payment, which there are rules about, but is possible, um, FHA is a great is, is a great option. It's a federally backed loan. It's um, very very small amount of down payment, smallest amount of down payment. Um, Are you thinking 5%, 5%, 10%? What do you think? 3%. 3%. Actually, 
um, dependent on the FHA loan, it's more like two and three quarters percent down. Right. Um, and then of course there are, cl- there are closing costs, you know, the loan officer, the mortgage company is looking to the, they have to cover the cost of the appraisal and the title insurance policy. Everybody that does something in the process, obviously they, they need to get paid, but you can also negotiate with the seller to pay a certain percentage of the sales price towards your closing costs so that they can really cover all of those closing costs. And really, you really are just coming in with, um, with that 3%. So, you know, that could be on a $125,000, loan, depending on where you are, right? Yep. That could be $5,000, um, which isn't nothing, but right. it's not as scary a number to try to save than if it's, you know, $20,000, sure. which would be, um, you know, or $25,000, which would be on the same $125,000 loan if you had to put 20% down. Right? Yeah. So right. um, it really is, it really can be much more manageable yeah. than what a lot of people realize. I, there, I have even seen college students take their student loan housing payout and use that as their down payment. That's clever. And then when they have, um, you know, college classmates renting the home from them, then not only, then the only thing they have to do is pay back that student loan after they're out of school. Very smart. Very smart so strategy. It's um, that's a very, um, very powerful way to get into a home, whether it be a condo or um, any type of real estate, um, if you are actually enrolled in college. Yeah, no, that's a very smart strategy. Might have to tell my daughter about that one because <laughs> yep. I do. I like that one. Um, tell me, what is the you know, when we talk, obviously, one of the things that's taken into consideration is your credit score, right? Is yeah. there a minimum that you want to have? What yeah, do you think? FHA is actually quite generous. Um, and I, I'm not 100% up to date on all of the um, on all of the FHA requirements and how yeah. their credit score requirements have changed. Um, but it has easily been down to... Um, 620. And I think the last I heard, they allowed it to go down to 580. Um, they're, they're obviously going to be concerned about, um, open collections. You know, you want to, you don't want to have a lot of open collections. You don't, um, you don't want to have, uh, you know, a ton of late payments. They're not going to want you to be currently late. Right. So if you can, even if your credit score hasn't totally recovered, if you can get a good six months um, and even preferably 12 months of reflecting, showing your payments on time mm-hmm. and showing, and if you have rent, showing rent on time, um, rent is really the thing the mortgage company cares about the most because yeah. that's indicative of how you pay for your housing and that's what they're wanting to lend on. So mm-hmm. um 
So those are a couple of things to, to keep in mind, you know, um, don't, you know, when you get the, you get a collection notice from your doctor's office because you forgot to pay, you know, a you know, a $70, you know, copay bill for a couple of doctor's visits, um, or, you know, a $300 bill from an urgent care because you don't have health insurance, um, find a way to get a payment schedule with that, that company, um, and, and get that paid off. Don't leave, don't just have a bunch of, um, collections sitting out there that will, that will haunt you for a while until you can draw the line in the sand and say, Mm -hmm. you know, no, I've got it back together. I took care of it. I'm clean for a period of time. And, and Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm showing my responsibility that I understand the mistakes I made and I'm, and I'm, I'm now a better risk. Right. Right. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. What, um, where would you suggest the first place that someone go when they want to start? Should they go to their bank and uh, start talking to them about, about a possible mortgage? Honestly, I would talk, I would, I would talk to a real estate agent. Okay. I would talk to a real estate agent let them know you're interested in looking and who would they recommend for a mortgage. I generally, um, that may end up being a bank. It may end up being a mortgage company, but you will find um, if you talk to a, a well-established realtor, let them know you're a first-time home buyer and you are, you, this is something that you, that you really want to do. You're committed to, but you really want to understand the process and you want to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, can you put me in contact with, you know, with the, the mortgage company so I can really get things lined up and understand what I can qualify for and, and that kind of thing. They can really help walk you through that process. That was, I really enjoyed the process as a loan officer of, um, educating my borrowers and, and helping them understand how they could, you know, be ready if they weren't ready. And sometimes a lot of times they were surprised at how ready they were. Um, but it was like this, you know, mystery that they just didn't, they didn't know how ready they were, you know? Um, and that unknown can be very, you know, untenable. Yeah. Now, would you recommend, you know, getting three or looking at several different loan products to figure out what's the right one for you? I think it, I think it's, I think it's not a bad idea to be open to looking at different loan products. I, as a new, as a, as a first time home buyer, I would not probably look at trying to um, talk with several mortgage companies um, because it's just going to be super confusing because everybody, right. they're professional salespeople. That's what, and it can be very confusing trying to judge one against the other. What I will say is as a first time home buyer, if you walk into a loan officer's office and you feel diminished in any way, you get up and you walk out. Good advice. Yeah. Because that means that they are not respecting you as the buyer and as a customer 
they are, if they are belittling you in any way, and that makes, and you feel like in some, some way you're going to walk out smaller than you walked in. That is, that is a hard stop for me. Yeah. That means that is not your loan officer. Yeah. You should be talking to a loan officer that understands that it is their job to help you be educated, but to be respectful in, in how they deliver that education. It should not be condescending. And if it is, then you get up and walk out. Yeah, very smart advice. Do you find or did you find that at all when you were working with a realtor when you bought that first house? Because as and I do feel this um, a lot of times, especially when I'm personally dealing with contractors. Right. Yes. Um, they look at you and they're like, oh, they don't know what she doesn't know what she's doing. Uh, I'm going to charge her more. I'm going to, you know, yep. um, did you find that much? Um, from the, um, from realtors, you get, at least my experience is the personality of that realtor comes through. The personality of that loan officer comes through and they are either, they are either, um, respectful of you and what you're bringing to the table, which is possibly a paycheck for both of them. Or they are like, I've got bigger fish to fry. And I, that's not your, that's not your person. Mm -hmm. There is no reason for you to ever put up with that. Right. Right. And really a lot of that just comes down to that comfort level of feeling respected as the customer and, and um, them being professional. Um, Because I've seen the whole gamut. I've seen, I've seen people, I've seen loan officers and realtors that were completely unprofessional because they just didn't know anything, right? It was like the blind leading the blind. Mm-hmm. Nope, yep. move on. Right. That's not who you're looking for as a first-time home buyer, right? right. An established, right. experienced buyer, if you've got an agent that has no experience, that's fine because you know the process better than they do. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if you're a first time home buyer, that is, that's not good. You don't want blind leading the blind. Right. right. But I've also seen both realtors and loan officers that have been exceedingly arrogant and dismissive and like somehow they're doing you a favor by, um, by being willing to talk to you and that's okay. I can take that off your plate right now. Yeah. You don't need to spend time talking to me. Yeah, you know? you mark and, them off. and so you just have to hold your own, hold your own space and understand that you don't want to walk in with a chip on your shoulder and be a difficult customer and like somehow, you know, they owe you. That's not fair either, right? This is a mm-hmm. respectful business transaction. Right. I'm going to get something out of it. You're going to get something out of it. And that's okay. We can work together as long as we are, you know, as long as we're, you know, transparent and and supportive of the process from all sides. So absolutely. I want to just touch on a couple more things before we wrap up today. What are some of the considerations for women when they're looking at a place to live? Do you have any recommendations for what they should be looking at? You know, I'm thinking, for example, I'm thinking like safety would be a big one, right? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Do you have any other, I mean, other ideas or thoughts? 
safety is safety is super important as um, as a single female. Um, the neighborhood, um, the the building that you are, um, you know, I have um, many different times. I have, you know, um, looked up the the um, crime statistics and what the t- what types of crimes are are happening. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Are they, are they violent crimes? Are they assaults? Okay. Not my neighborhood, right? Correct. It doesn't matter how cheap it is at that point. I'm not, I'm not buying there. Right. Yeah. If it's, you know, if it's a, you know, bike got stolen, somebody, you know, um, that happens in, you know, that happens in every neighborhood, you know? Yeah. Um, so there are definitely things as far as, as that to be, to be concerned about. The other thing to be, to be really be thinking about is, really be aware of, and this would be a good time as a part of your education to start looking at like, how, how do I know, like, what are the things that I need to look at when I'm walking through a house? What are the things, what are the systems that run the house that make the house a good investment that, um, that I don't want somebody to be able to pull the wool over my eyes, right? Like, Correct. I mean, you can Google this. I mean, you can look at, at, um, at YouTube videos, right. Of, of home inspectors that, um, you can watch, um, that, um, Holmes, uh, Mike Holmes does the, uh, HGTV home inspector, right. Yeah. Yes. It's foundation. It's electrical. It's yep. roof. Yeah. Um, if there are watermarks on the ceiling, if it looks like just one area was freshly painted, um, but not the whole thing, why right. is that? You know, was right. there a roof leak? Um, right. Has it been fixed? Was it fixed correctly? When you're walking through the house, it feels like everything is listing to one <laughs> side. You know, yeah. there are just things that your equilibrium will tell you Correct. something isn't quite right about this, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily that that always means that's not a buyable house, right? It's right. super important that you have a home inspector and that you get a bid for how much would it cost you to solve that? Because you might be able to get a screaming deal on the price and you might be able to lowball the price by $20,000, but you've already got a bid that it's only co- going to cost you 5000 to fix, mm-hmm. right? It's That's the part of it that's a it's a business transaction. Right, right, absolutely. And I would say too, I, I just want to wrap up on that um, that safety piece. And, you know, obviously the structure of the house and all of that is so important. But I would recommend too that if you're serious about a property that you drive around the neighborhood at various times of the day just at to see. At various days of the week. Exactly, exactly. So important is that that safety piece. So mm-hmm. let's um, last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up, what, um, you know, what do you think are the pros of owning the pros versus cons of owning your home? You just rattle off a few. If something, if, if, you know, if the toilet gets clogged, like there's nobody to call, it's you, you have to call somebody. You either have to do it yourself or you have to call somebody to come do it. Right. Taking care of those things, knowing that something could you know, could go out, um, capacitor could go out on the, on the heating air conditioning unit. And it's like, oh my goodness, I'm freaked out. And they come out and and 
you realize it's a $25 part that takes them 10 minutes to fix, right? Right, right. It's that, that's the thing that just knowing you have to deal with those things is probably one of the things that is the most concerning. The other is you now own it, right? So you can't just decide to pack up and move someplace else Mm-hmm. without still understanding either you have to sell it or you have to rent it, right? Because you're committed to it financially. Those are honestly the only downsides the way I mm-hmm. see it. Everything yeah. else is an upside. Yeah. You know, yeah. you buy it, it's going to go up in value. You keep making your payment, you're going to go you're going to owe less against it. So, now the spread between what you owe and what you what it's worth is that's just money in your pocket for some day, um, whether that's to, you know, sell and move up or whether that's sell and do, you know, do something else, whether that's rent, you could do a cash out refinance at some point to take money to buy something else and rent it. There are just the options are just so wide open, but it's such an amazing thing to have that appreciating asset Absolutely. that you're not just paying off someone else's house Absolutely. or someone else's apartment building. Absolutely. Um, it's yeah, it's that it's a fantastic investment. There's, there's no doubt about yeah. it. Thank you so much, Candy. I appreciate it. Now, if you happen to own a home and you're looking to sell off market, or if you know others who are, please reach out to either Candy or myself. Our contact information is listed below. If you've enjoyed the podcast and want to hear more, please hit subscribe. We're always looking for good stories. So if you have one that you would like to share about owning your own home, or if you have an issue you're dealing with and you're not certain how to resolve it, feel free to reach out. I'm your host, Amy Wicker. Until next time, thanks for joining us.